0: Tacky Talk Time, State Representative Tacky of Quincy is back with us after a week's
1: hiatus. Hey, Tacky, how are you? Hey, Joe. Good to see you after a week off. I hope uh, everyone listening had a good school vacation week. Uh, for those who had screw vacation week, uh, talking about the city of Newton, we didn't get school vacation week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I hope people had a little bit of time off their families, enjoy the President's Day weekend, and um, hopefully uh, people are feeling uh more refreshed uh, as we head into the month of March, because today's a leap day.
0: That's right. Happy leap day. Every four years, we get an extra day in February, and it certainly feels like it today.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, uh, we are actually, uh, right, a four-year anniversary is coming up pretty quick uh, in April, the two of us, uh, since we started uh, doing a communication to uh, constituency and beyond in this particular manner, and uh, the... Time is moving quickly. I mean, was it March winds, April showers, bring you flowers? but it appears that March winds have gotten a head start in February.
0: That's right. <laughs> uh, by all accounts, uh, Lunar New Year and Winterfest were uh, huge successes again this
1: year. Yeah, congratulations to Quincy Asian Resources and, you know, obviously all the city employees and the mayor's office and the council for putting together family-friendly events during the school vacation. Uh, you yeah, know, I know that not everybody can get away, but... Having activities at home uh, for families to go to is very, very important, particularly in a week when, depending on your circumstances, you know, you you have kids at home they are looking for things to do. Um, And, you know, I think it's a great quality of life um, that that both uh, Puget Resources and and the city brings to uh, everyone here.
0: Yep. I know thoughts are already looking to spring. I've already been informed by the friends of Wallston beach. They're having their uh, shamrock splash in March to raise money for the events on the beach this year. So things are going to start to ramp up.
1: Yeah. uh, Again, we're living a a different kind of world uh, post COVID ish still confused by where we are because I have all my friends catching the flu now. Um, And you guys have heard me with the flu um, and I'm still the dry weather is actually not helping my sinuses still. Uh, even though it rained yesterday, it's now really dry out for those who don't realize that the outside is what, like 30, is it 30 degrees? It's it's uh, not even, I don't think, yeah. I don't think even it's that. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, 10, 11, 10, uh, when my clock is 10, 11 a.m. is 31 degrees outside, feeling 26, wind chill. So, I mean, after during a few days of warm weather and kind of some moisture, I mean, now I've flipped over like, you know, sinus dried out. But, I mean, people are trying to stay outdoors more. People are trying to reduce the possibility of, forget just COVID, just the flu, the, cor- uh, the, the, um, uh, the stomach bugs, um, just the common cold, uh, RSV. I mean, there's so much going on uh, that um, I think it's wise that people should not try to be in large, large, large gatherings during the height of uh, viral transmissions. Sure. Uh, what's going on on Beacon Hill? Well, we were in yesterday uh, to vote on a bill to allow uh, the governor's office, uh, through safeguards, uh, to access the uh, interests in the rainy day slash stabilization fund or stabilization slash rainy day fund, depending you know how you want to put it, uh, for the exclusive purposes of paying down debt, providing some uh, grant funding for cities and towns as well as leveraging the money to, uh, to pay the state share for federal grants, in particular, the most recent ones on the Inflation Reduction Act, Infrastructure Bill, as well as the CHIPS Act. Uh, people realize that the grant monies uh, provided to the feds, the vast majority are not free rides. State has to put a proportion, generally 10 or 20%, depending on the circumstances. The city of towns does the same things. Regarding capital projects, though, generally around 20% is give or take, uh, on the type of project, sometimes more, sometimes less, you know, the city of town has to put up their share of the, the program. Um, the most famous one you guys know is school building assistance grants. It goes from anywhere from 40 to 80 percent depending on circumstances the state will reimburse. Uh, and, you know, city of Quincy is very, very beneficial on that program, including the Squatum schools up next uh, on a, a repair project. Is it repair? I think it's repair.
0: It's a uh, place actually.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, replace. That's what happens when you think about schools well outside the district. So that's Bruce's problem. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the city has really benefited from that. It adds to the debt load. But the state reimbursement, you know, helps that along. So, you know, we we put in some safeguards, though. I mean, you know, the rainy day fund is what it sounds like. um, And we don't want the principal touched. So the automatic transfers pursuing the comptroller's report, of the interest to a separate fund that addresses what I just talked about, and but there are situations where you cannot do the transfer. One is that uh, the rainy day fund is smaller than ten percent of the size of the state budget. State budget is approximately fifty-six million. Rainy day fund is eight point two billion. So fifty-six ish billion against eight point two billion. Obviously, it's greater than ten percent. Right. The other one is if there is a, a decline in the rainy fund, meaning that we're withdrawing money from the fund, uh, that uh, you're not going to take the interest out. Um, and then there's a other safeguard, I think the media kind of overlooked, is that uh, the withdrawal of funds can only occur up to December 31st, 2026. This is not a fund which you can you pull money out indefinitely. So it's more of a pilot program than anything else, uh, on top of the fact that they have to report to the legislature, you know, uh, Thirty days prior to uh, using the money, as well as providing annual reports. So the House version uh, is very uh, conscientious about uh, what the governor is trying to accomplish using some of the interest to leverage against federal grants. But at the same time, though the rainy day fund is far too important, can't touch the principal. And uh, certain conditions, you know, you can't touch the interest either. And again, it's also a pilot program because we do a. December 31st, 2026, essentially sunset. And it gives the legislature a chance to reevaluate the program. So this is, a, this is a nice little balancing act, because one of the big things that uh, those of you who know finance and banking, big concern is that they uh, for government. When we state a purpose for a fund, lenders do not like the idea of using something outside the fund because they like assurances that we can pay our debt. Just like everybody else in life, unless you're the feds. Um, I, I joke, it's not entirely true. but uh, oh, in, Somewhat true, though. <laughs> somewhat true. But uh, in seriousness, I mean, you know, the state does try to keep their budget or our budget under 5% for debt loan. Generally, we try to keep it close to 3%, but it varies from year to year, obviously. And uh, it rainy day funds uh, gives assurances that uh, regardless of the fiscal situation, we are able to our debts. Uh, consider it, it's like a collateral. Yeah, it's like literally money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Our rainy day funds, our various trust funds, all our funds are basically a type of collateral. Mm-hmm. But if we keep the use for those funds inside the purposes, Wall Street and the lenders are a little less concerned. And, you know, Treasurer's Office reminded us that when you look at our bond ratings, it's not just simply we compare our debts, it's a totality of the economics in Massachusetts, because obviously our tax revenues are tied to the strength of the economy, as well as education, job development types of jobs, Mm -hmm. large, large factors to consider because we're not a corporation and we're not a homeowner. Mm -hmm. So obviously the calculation regarding the state's capacity to pay is very different. And, you know, and most states, counties and municipal governments don't have great uh, bond uh, numbers because you all think the bond rating should be awesome because you have taxpayers. Tax revenue is inconsistent.
0: Yeah. As we've seen, yeah.
1: As we've seen, people under this false impression that it's like, oh, well, you have tax revenue, you're going to get the best bond rating. Well, we can't print money, which is the Feds, right? That's how they can maintain the bond rating, despite their ceiling issues and constant budgetary woes on on not having the government fully funded. But, you know, everyone else pretty much, except maybe Alaska, California and Texas, you know, they they all have different reserves because they have oil money to, to support not just their budgets, but also support collateral for the purposes of debt. Um, You know, from our standpoint, you know, we can't deficit spend. So uh, we're very conscientious and cautious about all this money we uh, put into these various funds, especially the stabilization fund being the most important. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, we're working with the Treasurer's office, Treasurer Goldberg's office. we found a good balancing act to assure that uh, lenders to us are not nervous about our ability to pay back.
0: That's key, otherwise they will stop lending and you'll stop
1: borrowing. That's actually correct. And uh, passing up and leveraging competition for these federal funds is, is crucial because it's a competitive competition against all 50 states and territories. So it isn't like you know these infrastructure acts, like you know Massachusetts is going to get X amount of money. No, it, it's an active uh, process. The governor's office actually has to make applications.
0: Right. Yeah, we just
1: saw that with the, uh, the Cape Cod Bridge projects. Yeah, it's, it's real work with real folks that actually have to know how to do it to grant writing. And if we can't demonstrate we have money ready to go, the federal pass over for another state. It's not complicated, people. I mean, we're not ready, they're going to give it to somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you want to be uh, first in line there, or at least uh, part of the queue for sure. Where do the funds from the stabilization fund come from, Jackie? Those are That's actually capital
1: gains money. So after um, the 03... Uh, recession, which is the dot-com boom, Uh, it shows how I'm showing my age, Um, we were living high on capital gains money from, like, 1999-ish to, like, 2001, 2002, largely driven by the stock market, not not by the uh, real estate market, and because people were basically uh, giving away stocks like it's toilet paper, and uh, the dot-com boom was like, no one could possibly lose in technology, and obviously, that's not true. There's no such thing as a no-lose. No, the bubble did burst, yes. <laughs> yeah, and the state budget, we discovered, was really out of balance because cap gains vaporized instantly resulting resulted in a 10% revenue loss three months into a fiscal year. So as a result of that, all future capital gains monies, doesn't matter what the capital gains is, is automatically deposited in a rainy fund unless the legislature says otherwise so the fund since you know oh three ish you know has been for the last 20 plus years now um been funded 100 by capital gains and obviously there was withdrawal uh during 03 to essentially you know 2011 12 because uh, the tax revenues were stagnant wages were deflating deflation's bad and not not to say that uh it was a sole reason but you know, cap gains wasn't coming in. We had wage deflation, which is lower taxes, uh, income. I mean, this, this ain't complicated. And people started spending less. You know, consumers, you know, will spend less and results in, you know, so tax decline. But that's why the economy is so important to the state, even more than the feds in some ways, because since we can't deficit spend, um, you know, the strength of the economy and people making money, uh, you know, directly impacts our ability to fund programs. Uh, but taking capital gains out of the main budget, you know, takes away one type of very volatile uh, tax income. Yeah. Now, weren't changes just made to the capital gains tax
0: just in this past budget? Um, the, the,
1: uh, there was a uh, capital gains change on a last tax program, uh, reform last cycle. Uh, yes. last, uh, yeah, last cycle. Yeah. Uh, it kicks in, actually, yeah, last year. Not last cycle, last year that kicks in. Starting the upcoming tax year. Okay. Article Some kicking in twenty twenty three. Some kicking in twenty twenty four. It deals with short term gains. So oh, there was okay. there was I think we reduced short term gains by two percent. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, people were complaining that the short term gains um, doing so is is like benefiting the rich, but. I think uh, COVID have proved nothing else, that platforms like Robinhood, which again, I'm not promoting that platform, I'm using it as an example, you know, people day trade. And it is the younger generation uh, that is engaging in this uh, much more um, to uh, make some quick money and the so-called meme stocks. Uh, mm-hmm. Those of you aware of the GameStop story in particular, uh, where uh, you know a bunch of online folks ran up the price that's beyond his actual valuation uh, was able to make some fast money and pay short-term, short-term gains on it. That was uh, astounding to watch that happen. It was, it was
0: it was almost like magic.
1: Yeah, it's a very remarkable uh, thing, but it's also changing. Uh, actually, as a best demonstration how we change getting information when people yeah. use social media, which I do not advise uh, as a financial tool to figure out how to you know make money on market. And you know the markets are not predictable. Uh, because they're human beings. Plus, now you got all these algorithms and AI stuff coming on board too. Uh, but you know, people on social media uh, made a monster change in the market, and you know. But then, can also one-time changes, and these one-time uh, incomes uh, isn't like you know Mark Zuckerberg. They're literally probably an extra labor.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just goes to show. Uh, be, be be leery and do your homework before you make any
1: investments. Well, I mean, I've been around this a long time and, you know, I always say new dogs, old tricks, you know, and and whether the dog can learn new tricks. And the interesting thing I've always noticed about this gig is that people get locked into these mentalities. Like we're living like 40 years ago, 30 years ago, and the mentality about society, uh, not just in a social level, but also economic levels is somehow trapped in amber of who we are. And, you know, one of the best friends I always say about this job is the fact you get to see different points of views. You know, I get to read, I get to watch, you know, uh, seminars, I get to listen to other folks. And I'm always astounded uh, that the people really are trapped in amber, you know, on how they think the world works. It's a constant evolution. It doesn't sit in one spot. And a uh, public policy has to move the evolution. And yes, the legislature is the slowest moving form of government, like a lie of you. Well, it's designed that way. Oh, it's intentional. I mean, right. the founders made this as stagnated as possible to reduce the possibility of rapid decision-making that actually has negative impact in the public. Right. Try to keep this little government involved because it just moves too slow in terms of public policy. That being said, though, I mean, we have to. We have to change. And uh, not everyone sees the change. And, you know, if you do your job really well, you know, on my level, uh, and you're really open-minded about understanding how the world is evolving around you, can learn new tricks, and I'm getting older too, as I keep reminding folks, um, and I have to learn new things. Um, I can't pretend this is 1995 you know, when it first showed up uh, working there, and uh, it's not 1995. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've watched a lot of change, uh, and it's good um, because if we don't change, we don't move forward.
0: That's right adapt or uh get left behind that's that's uh that's how the saying goes in the business world at least oh, change or die right evolution <laughs> one. that's right <laughs> uh can we talk a little bit change gears a little bit and talk about the um the state's lawsuit against the town of milton for the mbta communities Act issue
1: yeah for those unaware uh we passed a law requiring municipalities that are beneficiaries of public transportation namely the mbta it's required to change zoning laws to increase more multi multi unit homes, uh, especially for purposes of affordability. Because again, I, I still blame Deval Patrick for this whole thing about green communities and not thinking their way through about the cost going to be borne by renters and homeowners. As a result, that's a longer complaint from me later on. However, uh, you know, the town of Milton uh, did uh, correctly put together a zoning plan. And uh, since it is a town, uh, you can put that in a uh, warrant on mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, you like the idea, which they did for the last town election. They rejected it. Uh, my understanding, I think, another town towns looking at it, is Rentham. That's right. It was looking to do the same thing. And now they're a violation of state law, which can put their... Grant money is tied to programs associated with this zoning change. But I mean, Quincy's already made their zoning changes, and, uh, other communities have already moved forward. Now, just because we made a zoning change doesn't mean it's going to happen. You still have all these steps in development, financing. You guys already hear me talk over and over again that the interest rates are still out, outstandingly ridiculous, um, and it's not like it's going to be a magical overnight fix because it can take you know five to fifteen years for new development to, to take off. So. And also, you still got to pass the local planning board. You still get past inspections. It's, you know, it's a it's a it's a project, folks. Right? You just can't decide I'm going to build a ten story building and suddenly make it happen. You got all these hoops you got to go through. So it'd be intriguing to see how this goes because you know, attorney general has to enforce the law. It's going to be enforced against the town of Milton, and and frankly, unless the town of Milton can demonstrate that the law proposed is somehow like impossible to implement. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to have a hard time seeing SJC saying that you got to do it.
0: Yeah, it is going to be interesting there. I think their argument is going to be just from what I've heard initially is that they're not rapid transit. You know, they have the trolley uh, and of course they have buses too, but um, I think that's the angle they're going to take anyway.
1: They can try. I mean, you know, those of us live in Wallston and North Quincy know that Milton folks come over the border all the time uh, to use a walson station of Quincy T to commute to work. So, I mean, they are direct beneficiaries of the MBTA, and when it does work, uh, telling cheek common there. That's, um, another, that's that's for another show. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on the people and still unhappy, but be that as I may, I mean. There are communities that benefit from mbt stations in quincy they are required the towns require paying an assessment to the the same that mm-hmm. city pays assessment to to the MBTA to share the costs in the geographic zone uh, but to say they're not a public transit community is then stop using our public transit
0: <laughs> yeah it's gonna it will be interesting um and uh, the rentham case too they, they must just have the commuter rail down there
1: um yeah they, it's a commuter rail city so i mean the commuter rail I have mixed feelings about you know Greenbush and you know, Old Colony, but put those issues aside. Again, um, you know the, there's an economic benefit to having a uh, public transit, including commuter road in your in your area, mm-hmm. uh, not just because people come down, but people uh, can have a lower cost going up. And now gasoline, depending where you are, is running between you know two ninety 290, two ninety three can be as high as three twenty three twenty five. You know, and it's not necessarily just putting. Uh, cars off the road uh, for emissions purposes but also um you know people actually save money yeah you know if gas is like a dollar a dollar fifty well public transit may not be a savings depending on where you live. Yeah
0: yeah and of course it does as we've seen here in Quincy it spurs new commercial growth for sure. Yeah mostly housing right now I mean let's,
1: right now yeah what it is it's really housing. I mean it hasn't created a lot of destinations for economic development right and this is kind of the kind of the um weird thing that people keep making arguments for about public transit is it creates economic development not in the current environment it's the last decade plus has been housing 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 so i mean it isn't like we've built storefronts uh uh were developed uh, as a result of mass transit we are not a destination of Shopping Town, USA and some of the older folks know exactly what I'm saying. Uh, it's really a home destination. And the home destination is what creates the local um, shops, stores, restaurants uh, in the neighborhoods which are already pre-existing structures. There is no new uh, economic development construction in Walls and Center or Norfolk Downs, right? Um, the, the storefronts have change with the residents, not necessarily because of T. Now, the T does bring in new residents, but it isn't the driver for the changing economy in those economic areas.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably for commercial. I mean, State Street might be the last big one. Uh, we're seeing some smaller ones, but and we'll see the new medical complex in Quincy Center. But other than that, you're right, it's mostly residential.
1: Yeah, and even State Street went back in the 80s into the 90s was a 24-hour nonstop, you know, place. And the, the workers were there literally 24 hours and three mm-hmm. or four shifts. You now people, they drove in uh, from outside mm-hmm. of Quincy because, I mean, you're not going to get a train ride at two in the morning. Right. So, you know, you have these huge-ass parking lots. There's a reason why they're so big uh, out there. Um, but, you know, you're right, public transit, public um, transit is designing the state for an exclusive purpose of having people inside Boston to come outside of Boston and find work, and people living uh, in what used to be more affordable communities uh, to be able to go into Boston um, where uh, rents could be higher, depending what part of the city. And it you know, also gives mobility for people to leave Boston to become homeowners. Right, that too, yeah. yeah. Public <laughs> transit is not a simple public policy, just moving people around. It's actually economic driven, it's about housing, it's about giving uh, people economic opportunities to expand their horizons. I um, mean it's 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 a lot of different factors. People tend to pigeonhole it into two categories these days is environmental and and just moving people around. It's it's actually much more involved. I mean, you know, some folks well, well before either one of us was alive. I mean back when it was still just basically a commuter train, you know, carrying cargo of a passenger component, you know, people you were know, try to get Home sewed up on Wollaston Hill. And uh, part of it was the, the old, you know, cargo passenger rail. Uh, and, you know, they used to uh, try to give people year-long um, uh, free rides uh, on those uh, you know, cargo passenger rails uh, to, in order to entice them to buy homes on Wollaston Hill. Yeah. Certainly were built out on Wollaston Hill. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a long time ago before the MBTA. Um, but I mean, even 100 years ago when the train system was very different looking, uh, you, know, you know, people already could see the vision of attracting people outside of Boston to be homeowners uh, and try to find ways to entice them. And obviously, you all know back then car ownership was very expensive and gasoline was cheap, but not cheap when you consider the size of people's salaries. Right. Um, so, you know, anytime, you know, Train systems, you know, have always been a type of enticement uh, for work, but not just moving goods uh, around. Um, And it still is today.
0: Uh, We are speaking uh, the Thursday before the Super Tuesday primary techie and Massachusetts is part of that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very low turnout. I just have a very hard time of people getting anywhere near any kind of excitement on what appears to be a foregone conclusion. Hmm. You know, uh, it's just it's just the nature of the cycle. So I mean, um, you know, I mean, I'll vote. Um, early voting, I think, ends. I think people are going to listen to this. It's going to be over by time you hear me, actually. Um, and mail-in ballots are already over by time you hear my voice. You can still get mail-in ballots for September and November, though. So keep that in mind. Just because you didn't get your ballot uh, mail-in ballot for uh, next week, uh, you can get mail-in ballot for the fall and, and uh, the winter. Well. September, November, if you feel you may not be home, um, you still have plenty of time for those ballots. Um, eh, I mean, it's, it is what it is, it's going to be very uh, low key and it just won't be here. Uh, I do think this is a litmus test in a different way for the presidential candidates regarding uh, turnout, right? Is there sufficient uh, space for them to widen their margins in the disagreements with their own parties? Uh, as you may be aware, in Michigan, because of the president's position regarding the Hamas-Israel uh, war, um, you know he's taking some pushback from the Arab Muslim population uh, in Michigan, which is actually a very sizable voting base. And I believe I haven't looked at the final numbers, but I believe it's almost eighteen percent of vote for none of the above, and wow. and Trump got thirty over thirty percent in South Carolina of vote for Nikki Haley, but also close plus 30% for none and above. Now I always tell folks 30% is the normal I don't like you vote. Mm-hmm. Right. You get below 30%, you're in good shape. You get it to 40%, you really got to reconsider your job. Yeah. So you could argue that you know in Biden and in, in Trump's case, you know, they they're in below in the case of Biden substantially below 30%. Uh, in the case of Trump, you know, that 30% shown, you know, means he's in a safe buffer. But that's only for the primary, not for the final, because you should be concerned about whether that 30% in Trump's case is going to show up or not vote or, or vote for someone else uh, in the fund, in Biden's case, and in the case of specifically Michigan. And that 18% in the final election could tip the scales in a very tight race of those uh, Democratic voters, even though turnout wasn't awesome. You know, those votes matter because I'm, I believe Michigan's a closed primary and South Carolina's a closed primary. So unenrolled voters aren't allowed to vote in those primaries because you have to capture all your party base plus hunt for non party affiliate voters, which can include things like libertarians and Green Party folks and other ones that are not Democrat Republicans to try to push you over the top in that state uh, to win that electoral college votes. Um, and that's why I was so focused the strategy is a little bit different, um, depending on what math you're using, what state you're in, whether it be open or closed primaries. And, and uh, you know, right now, you know, those, those states are closed primary. They're not looking for unenrolled voters. They're hunting heavily for uh, party registration. Meanwhile, you know, right now, uh, unenrolled voters can uh, pick any ballot they want in the primary and change how we calculate the math for presidential elections in November. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly
0: it's going to be interesting to see had, had, there as you mentioned there is a state primary also in september so folks should be aware of that
1: yeah i'd like to thank um and the wish well some colleagues of mine uh Rep. capano from Lynn and representative khan uh from newton uh, who announced they are departing the state house this week now in re election uh khan was elected in 1994 came into class in 1995 uh one of the oldest serving members, not the oldest, but one of the oldest serving members um, and uh, from the city of Newton. And uh, actually our colleague uh, Ruth Balzer uh, also has that relationship. She's in leadership, uh, which opens up a leadership position. Uh, as you can tell, I have a whole list in my head about what positions have opened. Um, but in her case, I mean, you know, it's great to work with both of them. I know it's a very liberal community in Quincy. is not. But this is a job of building relationships, not necessarily about political ideology. And I always enjoy my conversations, my time. And you know, we're, I think up to like 12-ish people leaving, or in the case of a good friend, Josh Culler from Pembroke, working for Secretary of Labor, he's under undersecretary of education, a long title. Uh, but you know, people are, do have life after this gig, and sometimes it's a good job, and sometimes it's, it's just time to move on from politics and retire. And uh, I'm sure they'll stay busy. But this Newton, for the first time, is really going to have no delegation from the House. They only have two reps in, a, well, three, technically. But it's really two reps that are inside Newton. One has one precinct, which I believe is my friend John mm-hmm. Um, So it will be a wild race in the city of Newton in that primary, because it's a super Democratic city. Republicans, I'm sorry, folks, don't matter, in a super liberal city. Um, but that primary is going to be brutal uh, to see, you know, who's going to be able to represent the, the not just the people in Newton, but, you know, which way the politics uh, move
0: Yeah, keep an eye out for that, for sure. We should mention the entire Quincy delegation is uh, up for re-election.
1: Yep, I got my nomination papers. All of us got our nomination papers. Unenrolled voters and Democrats can sign our papers. Um, and, you know, we're going to be out getting some signatures. Uh, you know. You've been around long enough in this gig. You have a lot of friends. So mm-hmm. we pretty much know who, who can sign my papers at this point. And uh you know, we'll get we'll get more than the minimum. Um, uh, unlike COVID year 2020, where I just barely got over the minimum. Uh, thankfully, before <laughs> the streets were deserted. <laughs> yeah, before they shut down the offices. I still remember the call from John Keenan. You gotta get your papers out, everything's closing. I was like, Weren't they closing Wednesday? Yeah, they accelerated it. What do you mean they accelerated it? So you know <laughs> changed my entire afternoon. I was like, gotta get this stuff up to the Secretary Galvin's office now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so so yeah i mean you know we, we're all coming back um and uh you know, but you know we again 210 was our last real shake up uh steve tobin and michael morrissey uh you know moving along and before that was actually michael Ballotti and paul Howard. oh yeah yep. back in 1992. that sounds right yeah well so uh, yeah, it's it's a long stint between huge shakeups in the Quincy delegation and same in Newton. I, I shouldn't say it wasn't, but I mean mm-hmm. I think I think Haycock was '94 election. I think Newt Walls in '2002 election. I remember Cindy Cream uh, showing up replacing those Pines. I believe that was the '98 election. Um, so the Newton delegation has been very uh, steady and. Uh, there's a, there's a good thing about steadiness. You know, people know the district. People know what to advocate for. Seniority matters. New kids don't get anything in the state else so You have to build your time there to get stuff um, and be more relevant. And, you know, hopefully clean the leadership ladder over long periods of time. And those calls have made it to a uh, second leader, uh, which is significant.
0: Yeah. Um. Hey, Jackie, what do you think about what's going on down in Brockton with the, with the request for the
1: National Guard? I'm still rather baffled by all that. I'm still not clear what incidents would require military intervention in your school. I'm very confused by this. what's going on there. Not to mention the fact they still shot 30 million bucks. They still don't know where it went.
0: Right.
1: Uh, normally they would kill a mayor in any kind of race, but apparently didn't this time. Um, so I, I'm very head scratchy about this because generally you should have sufficient human resources with the with the school department. But again, $30 million is missing. Uh, plus you got you know, local police. And I still don't understand this when I watch the news. I, I can't figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah, obviously neither can they. <laughs> so it's a question. I thought the governor did approve, I think, some grant funding to help them
1: do a security audit. Yeah, it's a hot mess of I don't understand. yeah. Um, you know, and I just don't get it. I mean, and what's the National Guard going to do? I mean, they don't have conventional police powers.
0: Right. And I mean, some of them may be teachers in their civilian lives, but that's not their assignment.
1: Well, also, it's very intimidating. I mean, you know, they're wearing military garb, they're not wearing police uniforms. I mean, either one can be very intimidating, with people coming up. I do understand that. But I mean, division of a school system having military garb people around. It's peculiar. It's, yes. I, just, I just don't understand this. It creates it's a crazy new intimidation factor.
0: I, I immediately thought of showing my age, the, the Kent State University issue back during the Vietnam era. I mean, that didn't end well.
1: No, no. Uh, uh, yeah, you're showing your age more than me. I was not, not around for that. But, I mean, you know, before that, you had Brown versus Board of Education, where the National Guard had to be called in to enforce the law because it was a federal ruling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. So
1: So I I still don't understand what's really going on. I've never heard of something like this before. I find it very bizarre. Um, And again, this is a municipal problem. This is a state security issue. Unless, you know, the state takes the school and receivership. I mean, but even then, there's a lot of municipal input in in situations where even the state puts in this show. I mean, we had Lawrence uh, school system receivership, but it wasn't like the entire city government was cut out.
0: Right. Right. And and that's a, it's a temporary status. Also, it doesn't, it doesn't last.
1: That's right. That's why I find the whole thing rather baffling. Um, I just don't, I just don't get it. It's weird.
0: Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Best way to describe it right now, for sure. Uh, What's your committee up to?
1: Not much right now. uh, Waiting for my bills to go to second stage, meaning goes to steering policy, third reading of ways and means. Generally, everything goes to steering and policy first, normally, unless you know, there's a you know, direct track to ways and means. And, you know, we've been monitoring bills that got to a third reading right now. The clerk's office is still processing, which is why on the Internet you guys are not seeing anything popping up that's new. Uh, obviously, you can call the committee chairs if you want to get some information about where a bill is. Um, and uh, we're just kind of a waiting game at this point. Uh, my job is done in a sense. that I got everything done on time. But the processing is out of my control, so you know, wait and see uh, what goes to what committee. Then you know, working with the sponsors of those bills, as well as working with House leadership, we'll see which ones we can get to the floor, whether in formal or informal, formal or informal sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're getting more home petitions uh, coming up, which are again these petitions from cities and towns. They file a bill, particularly looking for liquor license changes, and we'll continue our analysis like we always do on this.
0: Yeah. Anything from Quincy that you're aware of?
1: No. No, Quincy, uh, the big cities, except for Boston, which is kind of a quirky issue, uh, generally do not submit home rule petitions. Uh, generally, the cities are, you know, 100,000, uh, particularly particular, or greater, don't do liquor license changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, sufficient licenses within the economic development plan uh, to, to do that. Small cities, even under 30,000, it's not necessarily common you know, under 40, under 30,000 because they're really like just big towns for the purposes of analysis of liquor license issues and how they do economic development. But the little, little tiny towns more under 5,000, the foreign system really works against them. If you want to do even very modest economic development, we'll see requests coming from them. So, Hmm. uh, I don't have the number right in front of me, but we'll process another 50 bills of this type during the year, which is Mm -hmm. not substantial and it's not a rubber stamp. I mean, you know, not everyone loves me because I require greater scrutiny of these things because they have a monetary value. Hmm. And anytime we change the quota system and alcohol affects somebody else and very conscientious and impact with someone else. And also accountability, you know, from cities and to towns that so they actually have an idea what they're doing as opposed to just doing something for the sake of doing it because somebody has an idea to do it and they actually have no idea what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So they need
0: somebody, with some experience in these matters to look it over before they take a vote
1: on it for sure. It's <laughs> Let's just say if I run statewide, a lot of municipal officials are going to hate me. (laughs) Your your job is not to be liked. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. This is not a gig where you're the good guy all the time. Uh, Sometimes you're the bad guy. Being part of a chairmanship and being part of leadership, sometimes the answer is no. And I always tell this new chairman that come on board, everyone loves saying yes, but the hardest part is saying no.
0: Right, right.
1: And it doesn't mean no forever. We can always revisit it, right? While well, you work with the chair and the chair has sufficient interest, we can amend bills in committee. Right. Uh, yeah. cool. Just because what you see coming out of our filing deadline is not what you see coming out of committee. So, you know, even myself, I mean, I can tell when a bill is not going to be the bill coming out of committee. But, mm-hmm. you know, say on to a bill, you think you got what you want. Well, you really didn't because the committee is going to change and also changes how we perceive it. So it's not entirely it's not impossible for people who file bills, uh, who more actually co-sponsor bills, you know, advocate against the bill depending on how it comes out of committee. Right. No, absolutely, and that that goes for the governor too, right on down. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, just because uh, a legislator signs or co-signs a bill uh, doesn't guarantee they're going to continue to support the bill depending on committee response.
0: It's, it's a learning experience for sure. I'm sure for the new uh, the new members.
1: Yeah, it takes about, honestly, it takes about six-ish years mm-hmm. for people to get their sea legs under them, in my personal opinion. Uh, if you can't figure it out in six years, uh, it, it's going to be a really tough haul. Um, very rarely, you know, you saw chairmen being made in year six, three terms. In, um, you know, the old, old days, you know, you didn't see a chairmanship in the House to at least six terms, 12 years there. But because the very rapid rotation the last decade of members are leaving, you know, has really changed how Speaker de now Speaker Moreno, uh, looks at the leadership team and try to figure out, you know, a combination of talent, skill, and seniority, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who would be a benefit to the larger group. And sometimes... Sorry to say, folks, you take a shot in the dark and hope for the best. And sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't.
0: That's right. Yeah. Actually, speaking of this, I think the Senate's voting on a bill today regarding sex ed reform that's been through the process
1: several times and changed over the years. Oh, that thing's been constantly changing. I mean, people think at the beginning it's not the end. I love it when advocates send us uh, fact sheets that are two years or four years or six years out of date. I mean. Uh, it's a constant, again, it's a constant evolution. And again, what comes out of one branch doesn't guarantee to come out of the other. Also, it doesn't guarantee the other branches are going to do what they want, as we keep saying over and over again, conference committee, conference committee, conference committees, right? Unless you can cut a deal in an enactment phase and everyone's on board and no one's going to complain. We just do enactment, phase amendments. Uh, or we can pull to go back and then re-engross, but, you know, conference committee, conference committee, conference committees. So, you know, that's, that's a big part of... Um, this job so yeah i mean there's no guarantee what you see one side's going to be on the other very rarely very rarely Does a house and senate have identical bills sometimes they're very small changes very quick to resolve sometimes they're very major pieces uh that that will bog down a bill because yep. it's just that substantive that you know each side has strong feelings on the matter right right there needs to be a well, there probably is classes on uh the bill
0: process and legislative process. I've thought there should be. I can teach a class.
1: I mean, you know, not to disparage, well, I do disparage. I mean, let's <laughs> not lie. You know, I always uh, tell people, oh you know, you should go to you know Kennedy School of Government. I look at some of the classes and some are really fascinating. And but you're spending money to do this. And well, like I could teach this stuff in a practical level that can bake it like normal humans can understand. I mean, you've seen me talk over the years now, and I'm trying to avoid the technicalities of it all because you're going to just lose me in this talk. Yeah. Not you per se, because you know how this works. But I mean, the listeners going to just like listen to me and go, well, "What is he talking about?" Right.
0: Like, they just glaze over. Yeah,
1: yeah. I work very hard to try to make sure this is is understandable to regular folks. But in a classroom setting, you know, I can get really, really more technical and break it down mm-hmm. over multiple days you know, the technicalities of it make it a little easier. And it's a, it's a constant evolution. Just because the rules, you know, are they, you know, what they are this session, don't no guarantee the rules will be identical next session. I mean, I didn't realize they removed the rule on um, requiring a rule regarding amendments fi- prior, to, prior to the budget. They, they got rid of that rule. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize we got rid of that one. Because <laughs> I was preparing to debate in a rule order and realize, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, so he's still learning after all these years. (laughs) Yeah, and again, this isn't like death-defying change by any stretch. Let's say a functionality change. But it is interesting um, how uh, some of the stuff that's like, you know, I gotten used to for decades, you know, can change. And it's a small change. It's this, again, this is not like a a major shift in functionality, but it creates a streamlining um, and simplifies some of this stuff. And again, you know, I agree with the speaker and, of the folks that I keep talking to in leadership, that we are a majority party when you know we have to provide some mechanisms for the minority party to be able to get the voice out, but at no point we let the minority party run the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are you
0: aware of um, any ballot questions, uh, Jackie, that have made it through the process? yet?
1: I think it's just the three that ride share, um, unionization, employee benefit ish. It that's a weird. That's a whole mess. We've talked about this before. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah, what's the workers, uh, workers? minimum wage issue. Again, that's more complicated unless you're working that industry. It's right. You understand it. If you don't work in industry, it's it's different. Yep. Yep. And, uh, oh, mushrooms. Yep. I was okay. going to say. <laughs> Oversimplify that statement, but yes. The, the fungus bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I oversimplified it. I did. Um, but yeah, the psychedelic uh treatment medical treatment bill, uh, which is actively being researched regarding addressing issues like depression and other mental illnesses and in, um perhaps even some chemical imbalances in people depending on their ailment. Uh, but the research is still fairly new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm gonna date you too. Remember when LSD was considered a drug for for different mental disorders? I do remember that, yes. Yeah, and how it didn't work out the way they thought it would at all. No, <laughs> matter of fact, had the opposite effect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that research is back online though, but the re- but it's not the LSD of the sixties, right? Exactly. There'll be, and, yeah. yeah, there'll be a decade of research in LSD again, but it isn't uh, the same thing they had before. So, um, uh, my again, I've always say I say again, if it's not broken, the the voters won't try to fix it. If the voters won't can't understand what's going on, they always vote no. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Uh
0: anything coming up in the district we'll be seeing you at in the near future?
1: Um let's see here. Uh well, there's uh the Lincoln Hancock PTO has their uh fundraising event t- uh tomorrow. Oh however uh, I have a small house party fundraiser uh coinciding that was not plan because we didn't know each other was going to be on the same day. Okay. So I do plan out like three, four months in advance, not just last week. Um, and those wheels already went in motion. So, but, you know, you know, folks, again, I always encourage people to support their local organizations and please do support the Lincoln Hancock PTO. Um, so, you know, the uh, Alliance Club for Sight fundraiser is coming up. I think it's in mid-March. Um, you know, obviously, had a great, a great uh, cause, great charity. You know, people should consider donating if they haven't, um, if they haven't, uh, if they can't make the uh, event. I, I always donate if I can't make an event. Um, it's um, April 4th. April 4th. Okay. So, about a month away. Um, Association is having their 100th anniversary. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's a close party because that's for the Marymount Association. So, yes, but yeah. uh, we'll give a very early shout out, you know, for the, Hard work. The association does, you know, for their neighbors and good quality of life. Um, and you know, they put a lot of effort in uh, to that stuff. Uh, obviously, St. Patrick's Day will be some point uh, in the next sixteen-ish uh, days. I think. Mm-hmm. I think St. Patrick's is a, is a Friday as a Sunday. I think the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, the eighteenth is a Monday. Eighteenth is a Monday. So, so but the seventeenth,
0: seventeenth, will be a Sunday. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, you know, obviously is gonna have the event. Um, people don't realize Springfield has a huge parade. Obviously, I'm not going to Springfield. Um And uh I'm not sure what's going on in Quincy on that. And the the one short time period, I'm not Chinese anymore. <laughs> Everybody's
0: Irish on St. Patrick's Day, right? <laughs> yeah, but I,
1: I just go with it. Jackie um, Chan. <laughs> oh, Pacio Chan. I think it's more accurate. Right oh, now. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, actually the Saturday will be in Lowell, um because uh, the Af- there's Afghan refugees uh, listening tour. So I'm going to visit them and listen to what's going on. And actually mm-hmm. tonight I'm dressed up. I have to go to the state house. Obviously you see a tie on at home, which is unusual. Uh, it's because of the emperor's birthday parties tonight, uh, Japanese emperor, I'm sorry, Japanese emperor. The Japanese consuls is required as part of their job is to celebrate emperor's birthday You know, as close to the birthday as possible. Um, and the birthday is a national holiday, and oh, the national holiday does move around uh, because right, different emperors have different birthdays. Right, right. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean it's by invitation only, and uh, you know I'll be representing the house um this evening, you know at at the at the Japanese consulate. So yeah, there's there's a few things going on. My budget meetings with ways and means are going to occur in March. Um, so obviously, a lot of meeting requests be- between myself and my staff are trying to make sure that everybody gets heard in my office. I can't meet everyone right now because there's too many overlaps. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's trying to get into the door, um, so it's 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 gotten very busy. And as like to say, I mean, we don't really uh, slow down uh, until the end of session, on July thirty first, and I'm right. not planning any extended time off until then. Um, and, of course, it's pending how this election cycle goes, not necessarily just for my election, but also my colleagues, because, you know, we do try to help each other out, whether it be um, through campaign finance support or we just show up and, and do some grunt work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it'll be, nothing will really be clear on what's going on until we get to the month of June. Right. All right. In uh, the meantime, how do we get a hold of you? is the office number. We are staffed. Please do call. The front desk gets very busy. That's why we get the automated system sometimes. Uh, And it's Jerry Paracella's office, not mine. So you have to wait for a few prompts before you get to me. Uh, Tacky.chan at mahouse.gov. T-A-C-K-E-Y dot C-A-J-N at mahouse.gov is my email. We encourage email and phone calls. You can track some information down at state representative Tacky Chan Facebook. You can see my comings and goings as well as uh tacky ch- tacky is a resource page. Uh, we will try to update that regularly. At Tacky Chan at X. Yep. At Tacky Chan at X. Again, just like Facebook, we use that for not just communication, but let you know where I am. And there's yeah, uh, some fun photos there. <laughs> yep. And that's how Joe finds me. So... You th- I really gotta change the photos around so you can't ask me questions. Um, and of course at uh, emioligestation.gov, I really encourage folks to go to the legislature's website. It is it is a good website on finding what's going on in bills, watching public hearings, watching sessions. Um, you know, I know QA TV does broadcast some sessions. They have broadcast some of my older hearings, which took me surprised when I visit the office. I look at the screen like, why is that there? Um, <laughs> And of course, you know, with Joe here uh, on our weekly, mostly almost every week get-togethers, um, which approximately about probably like at least forty-five plus shows a year, as well as obviously seeing Mark uh, on in uh, Stateville, and you um, know uh, definitely will follow here. Uh, and since I, it's not my show, we keep calling it Tacky Talk. If you have anything of interest. Please uh, email Joe, and if you like this show, obviously Joe would like to hear that you like to hear us. And if not, if you guys all hate us, then I'm probably gonna get, get pulled. So, <laughs> no, even even then, we wouldn't do it. You'd
0: still be on. <laughs> it's the beauty of local access. Flood <laughs> Joe's email.
1: Flood Joe's email.
0: I'd love to hear from folks if they have questions or, or comments or
1: suggestions. Uh, always, yeah, yeah. And you got your you know five to ten minutes in the morning. Um, and I do encourage people to get try to get that quick podcast there, and you can actually see it on YouTube as well. Um, and I think it's a great way for getting your sound bites along with the Quincy Sun on what's going on locally. Uh, and uh, sometimes we forget that you can't catch everything on your um, social media or your news apps, um, as well as um, you know whatever you see on general broadcast news. Uh, you know, Kiwa TV is a variable service. Quincy Sun is a variable service, and you know, I always encourage people to. You know, you tune into local stuff, uh, even if it's five ten minutes to get the quick, quick updates of what's going on in the city.
0: Yep, thank you for that. We uh, we take great pride in uh, in focusing on Quincy information for sure, and uh, to make sure it's accurate. So please mm-hmm. do check that out. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, next we're going to talk in March next. That's right. It'll flip the calendars over if anybody
1: still uses one. <laughs> well, we won't be doing this leap year thing for another four years. So That's right. <laughs> so we're, gonna, lasts. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're still doing this in four years. I guess we're going to pencil in uh, February 29th specifically.
0: 2028. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, neither yeah. It's, it's, Let's just try to get through next week. <laughs> let's do that. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Techie. Thank you, Joe. See you soon.